Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, sunshine. I'm Alexi Lawlison. Welcome to the State of the Union podcast presented by State Farm. We come to you again here from Doha, Qatar, site of the 2022 World Cup. And we come to you on the eve after. Well, we've already gone into the next day, so I guess it's the day after (laughs) the United States uh, as they bow out of this tournament and lose 3-2-1. We have guests, of course, David Mossy joining me. And Landon Donovan has agreed to stop by. Uh, we worked today all day on this. Uh, thank you for hanging out with us. My first pleasure. Foremost. Anything for Mossy. Um, this gives us a little time to kind of breathe and talk a little bit more about uh, this result. And, like, it sucks. It sucks. Anyway, you slice it. Going out of the World Cup, it sucks. Uh, and it doesn't matter when it happens. Uh, but this was kind of a dud performance against the Netherlands. I think we all expected more from the U.S., Losing isn't in and of itself isn't necessarily a problem. But for me, the big problem and what really hurts is that the way in which this team went out was not some sophisticated, uh, evolved type of team and concept that the U.S. had never seen before and wasn't able to combat. It was really ended up being kind of simple stuff that did the U.S. team in. Uh, I guess initial thoughts uh, on this uh, on this result, Landon, and then we'll go to you, Mossy, because I know you were watching avidly. Yeah, you said it best. It wasn't like we were overwhelmed by some juggernaut Dutch team that had the ball the whole game and piled on pressure, and we finally cracked. It was a few. I, I don't even know if you call them mistakes. It was a few basic things we expect our players at this level to do and they all revolved around not following runners either long distance over 60 yards on the first case in the box uh, in Sergio Dest's case in the second one and then in the box in the third one where it's more miscommunication but leaving guys open and at this level against players like that Mossy you get absolutely punished. No, I agree. This was a winnable game for the U.S. Uh, They didn't take their chances. That was a problem all tournament long. Uh, Christian Pulisic early in the game, if he scores that, it could be a completely different match. And then, as you guys mentioned, the defensive miscues at the other end. Tyler Adams, who had such a great tournament, but I thought he was at fault on that first goal. He didn't track the pies run properly. Sergino Dest on the second one, and then Anthony Robinson, poorly positioned on the Dumfries goal uh, that sealed it. So... Yeah, you come away feeling a sense of frustration that uh, this was a winnable game, an opportunity the U.S. let slip away. You also come away with kind of an affirmation of um, the problems that actually played this team 
through qualifying and into the World Cup. And I think you mentioned it on air. You know, my, my kingdom for a number nine. Uh, and look, you are a legendary goal scorer. It is the hardest thing to do in our game, and therefore the people that do it are the most valuable. And in this moment where we have, let's be honest, uh, really nurtured and developed a lot of good young talent, the void that continues to be up top, I think it was evidence uh, evidence today. I mean, we saw Jesus Ferrer for the first time, uh, did not do a whole lot, but it's not as if there was others out there that were able to do it. I guess my question to you, Landon, is what needs to be done to create more competition and obviously more quality when it comes to that position, which we know a lot of teams around the world are still looking for. Yeah, I mean, it is a hard, it's a hard position for a lot of teams to find. And the modern game has changed a lot in that there's a lot more, I would say, um, just intricate passing and developing the play into positions. And nines or strikers are used a little bit less, except in front of the goal and in front of in in, and in the box. And the problem with our team, this tournament is, while we created some chances through other guys. We didn't create enough big chances where a nine would even be impactful. Right. And what we absolutely don't have is someone who can take the ball, spin someone, roll them in the box, dribble someone, and score a goal. Christian can from deeper. Right. Gio can from deeper at times. Brendan Aronson can it from deeper. Wea can. But we don't have a nine who can just take the ball. You know, I saw Belgium play Croatia. Now, Lukaku had a tough night that night. Sure, but we but don't I mean, have a just, guy like that. And we yeah, haven't he since just Josie. got, he we just haven't got since chances, yeah. created chances just by being in the right spot. And, we're, I mean, to be honest, we're not even close to that right now. Although, with, to with be fair, guys. Haji Wright scored one of the great goals in World Cup history. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nifty finish. That you know, Masi, if he did that a thousand times and tried to, he wouldn't, he wouldn't do it once. I mean, well, I can't tell you how impossible that goal. I don't know how that thing went in. And it's evidence crazy. of that was a previous play where he took one of the worst first touches I've seen where the <laughs> Dutch player passed it back Look, to him. And he he's, he's, got a goal, on goal. he's got a goal in the World Cup, and there's only one person sitting here uh, that has a goal in the World Cup uh, <laughs> with, with Landon. Um, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit more about where this team goes from here. We talked a little bit about Greg Berhalter. Now, I, I am on the record now for a number of years, even back when Greg first took the job, that I don't believe that national team coaches should have multiple cycles. I think it runs its course. I think it gets stale, even for very good national team coaches. And I do think that Greg Berhalter deserves a tremendous amount of credit because this team right now is light years away from where it was when he took it over over this last cycle. And no matter what happens going forward, he will, if he, were, if he moves on, he will have left this in a better place. But he's also, this, you know, this generation, these players, when he took them over, to, uh, started uh, – coaching them four years ago they are very very different players but they're also very very different young men and some of them mm -hmm. you know have come from teenagers into into young men how do you see this going forward because I don't know what the federation is going to do it would not surprise me in the least if Ernie Stewart and Greg and uh, Brian McBride believe that they should continue this you know this pathway that they have under uh, Greg Berhalter but maybe Greg Berhalter doesn't want to do that or maybe they want to go in a different direction how do you see this playing out from a coaching perspective going I forward? actually think most of the time I would agree with what you're saying in this specific case, because we are so young, I think this team has grown a lot with Greg. And the beauty of what Greg does, what he did in Columbus, is it over time, mm -hmm. he built a team that had, and you started to see it in this tournament, a real identity in how they play, but then in how they act and believe and the camaraderie. You don't do that without the coach. Like, Greg sets that culture, and 
I honestly, early on, it was a little bit like, oh, I don't know if they're going to get there. And they're starting to get there. So I think that continuity is important. But normally, I agree with you. Right. You know, four years is probably enough. I'm, I'm curious, Mossy, just let's go into today. What did you think of the Von Hall, Burhalter? You know, who yeah, got we, it right? Who we got were talking it wrong? about this off the air before. I thought uh, Van Hall completely outcoached Greg Burhalter. Uh, he had the and why? perfect why game do you plan. Say that? Well, a couple things. The way he man-marked in the midfield, he disrupted some of the rhythm of the U.S. And also the way he lured the U.S. forward. He wanted to be pressed so he could uh, take advantage of those spaces. Do you think so? Do you really think I do, that? yes. I don't. Uh, they have the players to play very vertically with Dumfries flying down that wing and Gakpo and Depay, Bergvine as well when he came on. So I thought that was the game plan all along. He knows that his team can absorb pressure because they have guys like Van Dyke and Ake back there, excellent defenders. And so uh, he wasn't too bothered by the U.S. being on the front foot for a lot of the match. Uh, he wanted them to push forward and leave those spaces that he could exploit. And so I do think the Netherlands, it's not a great team, but he's coaching them masterfully. He has not lost a game yeah. since returning yeah. to the bench. They're unbeaten in 19, and we'll talk about this later in the pod. But I think their game against Argentina in the quarterfinals is going to be an absolute classic because I think they actually match up pretty well against Argentina. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, hats off to Van Hall today. It's less a criticism of Burhalter than praise for Van right. Hall. I thought he did an excellent job. But I know what you're going to say, Lex, and I agree with you. It's I think we did that to them. I don't think their game plan coming in was, ah, we'll just sit in and absorb right. Now, they once adjust. they got the goal. They adjust, though. Sure. Once they got the goal, maybe. But I thought they were, like, a little surprised early on. They were like, Jesus, we haven't touched the ball in 10 minutes. And, and I thought that was really impressive. I just want to touch on one thing you said. So when you're being man-marked through the midfield, you could go about it one of two ways. You could say, okay, we're just going to, you know, be stubborn and we're going to keep trying to play and keep going through there and keep – or you can adjust, right? And I think one of the things they could have done, and I don't know if it was specifically from Greg or if it was player-led, you need like you need rotations and you need just to vacate the space. So if if Davy Clausen wants to mark you, Tyler, just take you can run 40 yards and just take off and, and run vertically through their defense. And if he goes with you, great. Let Christian come in there. They're not gonna follow him in there, right? And so, or you go wide, pull all the way wide. Push Jedi Robinson higher. You know, if you're Weston, pull out to the left, receive it there. Push Jedi higher. If they come with you, great. Tons of space open up in the midfield. And it happened a little bit, but I think that early adjustment would have helped a lot. Another thing on the Netherlands, they really found something with this goalkeeper, Nopert. Right? Yeah, he, he is, is outstanding. And how insane is it you start your entire national team career on the first game of the World Cup? Uh, and, you know, Silsen was gone, and, and uh, it's amazing. I mean, to your point. I, I do think Louis van Gaal is, is a very, very good coach. But to, to Landon's point, I think that they adjusted and adapted to something that they did not expect much better than uh, the U.S. team certainly did. And, look, they, they gave it to the U.S. They put it right in front of the U.S. three minutes in. And if you don't take your chances against a team like that, they will make you pay. And they certainly did over the course, uh, over the course uh, uh, of the game. Um, other things to talk about when it comes to this game. I'm sorry, you had something? No, no, no. Oh, I don't know. Go ahead, man. Well, I, I want to revisit the Greg Berhalter, yes. should he stay or go conversation. This was the in-between scenario we talked about on the podcast. Mm. If they had gotten to the quarterfinals, it would have been an unequivocal success, and if he wanted to stay, he could have stayed. If they had gone out in the group stage, it would have been an unequivocal failure, and you would have had to get rid of him. Mm. Round the 16 is sort of this weird in-between. It reminds me a little bit, frankly, of previous U.S. World Cup campaigns like yeah. 2010, 2014, where as you're going through it, it feels like something magical is going going on but then once they go out you take a step back and say well they only won one out of four games in this case a 1-0 over Iran so 
I don't know. I mean, I, I'm part of the calculation with Berhalter, if he stays or goes, is how successful you thought this World Cup campaign was. So how successful do you think it was in the, in the final analysis? I think it was successful. Yeah. I think ultimately it was successful. But, I, but it doesn't mean I don't think that the, we didn't leave something on the table there. And, and, and that's, I think, where a lot of fans uh, and I think a lot of us say, but it could have been better. I do think the England performance really enhances yes. their credentials. If it had been a loss to England similar to today and then beating Iran and Wales, I would have looked at it a little bit differently. The fact that you have that England game yep. where you completely outplayed one of the five or six best teams in the world, I do think that yeah. tilted to where it was a success. And let, let, let's just big picture look at this. The way we played, I think, matters, right? Mm -hmm. We were not getting destroyed in every game and we squeaked through. We pounded Wales in the first half, right? Not good in the second. We're very good against England. Very good. The Iran game, I know everyone's like, the last 10 minutes, 20 minutes, their, their tournament lives are on the line. Of course they're going to come after you. are going to do. But for long stretches of that game, we were very good. And today, it felt like, but for some naive plays, we can play at that level. And I think, to the point earlier, this team is building something that I believe should continue. There should be continuity because... If you start all over, you got new system, new style, yeah. new coach, new culture, all of that, and that becomes hard. It, it it does become hard. And look, if Greg continues on, that that's that that's fine with me. But you know, there are legitimate criticisms for this team and for Greg, even within within this tournament. Player selection, that's always going to be. And and just because they're legitimate criticism doesn't mean that he or others can't also have legitimate reasons as to why the selections were were uh, were made. So people are going to uh, criticize that. Uh, the set pieces we've talked about just were not Jeez, good, and that is yeah. a problem uh, going forward. The substitution patterns and ultimately the effectiveness of those substitutions. We judge coaches on their substitutions, and it it didn't really ultimately change the game. You know, the Gio Reyna situation I think is going to be a a source of contention for those out uh, those out there. But again. Greg Berhalter is not going to do something and and die on some hill that's going to hurt his chances of having this team play, uh, play well. We're going to find out ultimately what that story is when it comes uh, when it comes to Gio. It might it might be just that he believes that Gio wasn't in that moment the right person to have. We saw Gio come on this game. He didn't light light it up, but it was a different look, mm -hmm. and it was you know obviously at, at a moment when things uh, when things needed to change. It was interesting they came on for Ferreira, so we right. we got to see. Kind of, kind sort of, of the lineup that we talked about over people the had suggested. Yeah, it doesn't fill the the void of not having right. a true striker to Landon's point that we can count on to either finish off the chances in the box or to create something on his mo uh, on his own, which we uh, which we don't have. Um, I, I, I will finish it off here though. When it comes to the criticism, there there's there is a tendency out there to criticize because we feel that in order to be authentic and in order to be credible, in order to live up to this. You know, authentic football culture that's out there that we have to be critical and we have to get our pound of flesh and we have mm -hmm. to fire somebody and we have to scream and yell. And look, I have screamed and yelled in the past. I will, I will raise my hand. I get emotional and I, and I totally, I, I totally understand that. But this is not a situation where we have to do that and we have to, uh, like I said, fire Greg Berhalter and make, make changes simply because we think that that's what quote-unquote soccer countries or, or football countries uh, do out there. And maybe, you know, maybe Landon has a point over here about, you know, not throwing the baby out with the bathwater here, especially since Greg Berhalter has guided this team, this very, very young team over the four years. So I don't know ultimately what's, uh, what's going to happen. But we are leaving this tournament, I think, with an element of success 
that should be championed, that should be praised, but also that we left something on the table and it could have been more. Uh, anything else, Mossy or, or Landon, regarding, regarding this game? No, it could have it been more. There's no question. And today, mm -hmm. again, we didn't lose because we weren't up to the task quality-wise against that this Netherlands team. There's no question. I just I have lived it now as a coach for three years. Continuity is so undervalued. Mm -hmm. Knowing who you're playing against, knowing when you walk into camp and you see Greg, what the expectations are, yep. what the culture is going to be like, is so valuable. So especially for a young team that's building into 2026. So that's my opinion. Uh, producer Sean tells me that you have to go over there and. Uh, oh, I do. Are they and, yelling uh, at me? Well, that's what that's what they're telling. All right, me. thanks, so producer Sean. We have to uh, we have hey, to get you off this you episode. No, thank you so much for uh, for joining oh, us. You. you did a great job today, right, and thank you for joining us thank here you. on the See you guys. State of the Union. All right, Landon Donovan, the great Landon Donovan, there, awesome. Uh, Mossy, let's let's quickly also wrap it's up. Kind the of a letdown now. Right, I know. It's, it's we fine. lost a legend. We're, we're going to be fine. Um, if if Greg uh, is no longer the coach going forward, you got any uh, ideas on who you would like to hire? If I just gave you the uh, authority to do something like that? Again, a lot of it depends on this whole foreign versus U.S. manager question. Right. There's this notion that the U.S. job is going to be this incredibly plum job uh, because they're hosting the 2026 World Cup and they have all this young talent. And so there's this idea that I I've heard names like Jose Mourinho tossed around. So if somebody on that level was interested, then you'd be tempted. But if, if it's... You know, to bring in, with all due respect, like a Steve Trundle or a Jim Curtin, as much as I love those guys, and I think if Greg Berhalter wants to stay, I probably would stick with Greg Berhalter over one of those guys. Right. I mean, we get back to this thing of would somebody of a bigger name, a sexier name, have done more with the talent that we have? And look, when you read the, you know, the, um, the ages that these players are going to be in 2026, Christian Pulisic, 28, Tyler Adams, 27, Gio Reyna, 24, Weston McKinney, 28, Eunice Musa, 24, Serginho Dest, 26, Tim Weah, 26, Brendan Aronson, 26, Chris Richards, who we didn't see, obviously, and... Uh, uh, Robinson, who uh, who got hurt also, so he'll be, he'll be there too. Anthony Robinson will be 29. Joe Scally, those types of players. Cameron Carter-Vickers, who we saw a little bit, and all of the players that are coming behind it, because these are the you know these are the seeds that have blossomed, right, and bloomed. But there's a whole other group behind that are going to be pushing, and there will be players on 2026 uh, on the team on 2026. I guarantee you that we are not talking about right now that will find a way on it. And that's a that's a good thing to push those players. Yeah, there were some depth issues at this World Cup, as we talked about. The U.S. got weaker at the end of games when yeah. Berhalter started making subs, and so in addition to the core guys continuing to develop and get better, you do want the talent pool to increase and more players to emerge. And I think that will happen, but I, it does need to happen because it was a real problem. Uh, in this World All Cup right. with uh, on the bench. MVP, man of the World Cup, whatever you want to talk. For me, I think it's still, despite you know his, his lack of tracking back today, it's still Tyler Adams. I think he comes out with a, 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 an incredibly enhanced value and image, not just from American soccer folks, but I think from the world soccer folks. I think a lot of people that watch this team looked and said, I want that guy on my team. Absolutely. He's one of the breakout stars of this tournament. Um, he seems happy at Leeds, but uh, I imagine that some bigger clubs are going to come after him, and so I would not be surprised if he's the subject of a major transfer here in the not-too-distant future. Um, okay, second game of the day, because we had to move on. And, and just to give you a peek behind the scenes, obviously we, we had a lot of emotion. We had a lot of uh, um, heart and soul 
built in and up when it came to this uh, U.S. team. And to have the U.S. team go go out, and then you have to go do another game, you know, that's where your, your professionalism kicks in. And while it was devastating to us from a U.S. perspective, still, I'm still here in Qatar in an incredible set, working a World Cup with incredible stars that are going to continue on, uh, and the opportunity to talk about one of the greatest of all time, Messi and Argentina, who continue on. So, Messi and Argentina continue on, and that's where my energy, that's where my excitement comes from, and I can compartmentalize. I can say, all right, the U.S., while it sucks, I can move on because there's wonderful things for us to continue to broadcast. Messi and company, I, it wasn't a difficult game, but hats off to Australia for at least making it interesting along the way. Your pick to win this World Cup Australia gets a two-to-one victory over the Aussies. The Aussies go out with their heads held high, making it to the round of 16. Uh, my professionalism never kicked in. Right. I, I hate watched Argentina like I have in all their previous <laughs> games. Um, but uh, I hate to say this, but I've never felt more confident about my pick. I know there were some nervy moments at the end. They needed Emiliano Martinez to come up with a big save there. Uh, and virtually the last kick of the game. But I, I do think uh, this team is getting better. And Julian uh, Alvarez emerging. Because, you know, Lautaro Martinez, who was our pick for the Golden Boot, is in an absolute fog. He's had a terrible tournament. I look like a complete idiot. I've said it on numerous podcasts. Not the first or the last time for you or, <laughs> or, or me. Um, but Julian Alvarez has filled that void. He scored a couple of goals. I think he's going to be the starter now up front moving forward. What a talent he is. Um, and so I think the, the pieces are falling into place. Now, this Netherlands game is going to be tough. Right. Um, so if they get through that, then I think they should be in good shape because as we established last night, I'm now very pessimistic about Brazil. So if it does end up being Argentina-Brazil in the semis, I would definitely fancy Argentina to win that game. Uh, and then they're in the final and... Uh, We'll see who they would play at that point. But, no, I, I think they're three games away, and I think they this is the stars are aligning for them. I think Messi is going to get his wow. uh, first World Cup. It, Amazingly enough, bullish. Okay. it took until his fifth World Cup, but tonight was his first knockout stage goal. It was Messi's first yeah. knockout stage yeah. goal? Yeah. Really? Wow. It was a nice goal, too. It yep. was a really and nice it came goal. in his 1,000th yes. match That's right. uh, for club and country. And these are legit goals. These aren't like Romario, Pele types of calculations when it comes to his uh, – uh, it's one, or, or, or the, not goals, excuse me, matches played, right? How dare you? How dare, how wait, dare wait, you? Taking a shot at Pele on this of all days, <laughs> this is a... Hey, no, we, we, we absolutely, uh, you know, the thoughts and the prayers, I think, of everybody, and we, you know, we're here in Doha, and the, the, the buildings are lit up with get well soon Pele uh, signs and all that kind of stuff. I mean, look, he, he, he transcends the sport, let's be honest, and that he is evidently from reports uh not in good shape uh that's you know that's a that's a sad thing to have uh, happen at any time but in particular uh here during the world cup to have that new, uh, news coming through all right let's uh let's finish it up with some uh with some good stuff here uh when it comes to the assist of the week presented by state farm i think we have picked the assist when it comes to Serginho Dest to Christian Pulisic as the assist of the week. And it, and it, and it should be. It is, it is going to live on in the memories of people that have watched this tournament and watched this U.S. team. It was the moment and obviously the goal and therefore the assist on the goal that sent the U.S. team into the round of 16 because it secured ultimately the win against uh, Iran. And... And it was a wonderful play. And so it's not just the assist. It's the build-up to the play. It's the ball over the top by Weston McKinney. And then the header over from uh, Dest. And then 
Oh my goodness. Uh, if, you're, if you're not watching and you're listening, we are actually watching it right now. It's just a beautiful ball over the top from Weston, as we remember. Serginho Des spots Christian Pulisic, and the amount of space and the quickness in which Christian Pulisic makes up that space to, you know, take one for the team and to sell himself and his body for his team and for his country and to pay the price because we know he went to the hospital after that. It was wonderful. But it doesn't happen without, uh, without an incredible assist from uh, Serginho Dest. That goal was the realization of the progressive style of soccer that Greg Berhalter wants his team to play. So I agree. That was the moment of this U.S. World Cup campaign. You know, we, when we had Landon Donovan here earlier on the, uh, uh, on the pod, and he is constantly asked about the Algeria goal and how monumental it was and how it ended up kind of defining him. And I think, who knows, Christian may have some other ones, but this goal and the entire play and the assist from Serginho and then Christian just crashing into the goalkeeper and, you know, sacrificing everything uh, and taking it in the nether regions for, uh, for his country. Uh, I think that many, many years from now, Christian Pulisic will continue to answer questions about that goal. And, and people will tell him, you know where I was when I saw you score that goal. So uh, it's, 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 I think it's already iconic. So uh, Netherlands, Argentina, Mossy, because you mentioned that you're, you're, you're so bullish now on this Argentina team, but this is an, a Netherlands team that, as we saw today, they can, they can adapt very quickly, and nothing seems to rile this Netherlands team. Yeah, the reason I said they match up well with them is because they can absorb pressure. They won't mind Argentina being on the front foot, um, and they'll try to hit them on the counter vertically the way they did the U.S. So uh, it's an interesting game. Uh, incredible history in World Cups, these two teams. The 78 final, Mario Kempes, Argentina won their first title. Uh, 98 quarterfinals, Dennis Bergkamp scored one of the great goals in World Cup history, Netherlands 1-2-1. And then more recently, 2014, semifinal, 0-0, went to penalties, Argentina prevailed. Uh, so yet another confrontation for these two. I cannot wait. That game is on Friday. Um, I slightly lean Argentina, but it, and, you know, they're my pick to win the whole thing. Right. But I, I think it's, it's absolutely possible that the Netherlands beat them. So I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, any upset uh, possibilities for tomorrow as we see our friends England? Piers Morgan tweeted me immediately after the U.S. lost, really, you know, just driving in the, the stake. What do you got? Uh, I don't think there's much of a possibility with France. I haven't been impressed by Poland at all. Oh, my God, um, Poland was horrible. But uh, the other game, England-Senegal. Senegal have been frisky. Really? Uh, I would not put it past them to Interesting. Interesting. cause some mayhem in that one. Oh, I would love nothing more. It would enable me to tweet Piers back and needle him. But I should be so lucky. All right, listen. Um, as, we, as we finish this out uh, and put a bow on this experience and this moment, uh, and this World Cup for this U.S. team. I, I, I just want to kind of, like I said, finish it off here by letting this U.S. team know, and I, I don't want to speak for anybody, but I think I do speak for some of us out there, that this was wonderful. This was wonderful to see this team, to follow this team. You know, we are part of you as the U.S. men's national team. And look, the U.S. men's national team is part of who we are. And the way in which this team united the country and brought people together is wonderful. And it makes me feel so happy that this sport is able to do this and that this team was able to do it. 
Is it perfect? No. It is flawed like every single team. But the good so far outweighs the bad. And, you know, the feeling of sadness and the ending that happens with going out of a World Cup, that always hurts. And as Clint Dempsey said today, use that and have that be fuel going forward for you. But know that that unity was because we gravitated to you and we saw in you ourselves and we saw in you a team that we could believe in and you represented your sport and you represented your country in such a wonderful way. And let's be honest, there are very, very few things in life nowadays and certainly in our country and culture that bring people together. And that you did that, that was, uh, that was awesome to see. And it made me very, very happy. And that you are going home makes me sad, but also makes me incredibly hopeful for what we are going to see in the next four years as a cycle. And then obviously in 2026 when this team is four years older and there are others out there and um, it's going to be something spectacular. So I can't wait to, to see that. Mossy, anything uh, before we go? Sean, anything that I've missed? Uh what makes me sad is your little monologue there just cost me the 1 a.m. shuttle. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. I'll get you a ride home. I know, I know some people. Um, well, as we leave here, uh, uh, Sean tells me that we have every goal of the day. Is that right, Sean? Oh, my goodness. Well, before we go, I just want to say thank you to everybody uh, for tuning in. Uh, again, this is the State of the Union podcast. I'm Alexi Lawless. This is my friend David Mossy. This has been presented by State Farm. You guys like goals. Everybody likes goals, right? Well, we're going to leave you here with a rollout of every goal of the day. And listen, we will be right back here tomorrow doing what we do because the World Cup rolls on with or without the U.S. I know it's without the U.S., but there are stars, there are big teams, and don't think for a second that there's not going to be incredible things to watch as we go forward. Because if one thing this World Cup has taught us, be prepared for nuttiness. So here's to nuttiness, and thank you for watching the State of the Union. And as always, size the day. Wide to a freeze, gets the cross cut back, and it's a goal for the Netherlands. And it's Memphis who scores it. It's hooked away by Ferreira. David Cawson's going to come to get it to a freeze, working on Adams now. Cuts back the cross, Blaine is there, and the Dutch score with maybe the final kick of the with a key block there. Zimmerman recovers it. Yedlin resets. Polisic's going to get there. Polisic running into the middle to get touch. And again, the U.S. has scored. 15 minutes to go. Did Haji right get the touch? The United States are going away. The first half, Memphis looking for space. Leon, Daly Blint. Gets the cross and free header backside. Third goal for the Dutch. Dumfries assisted the first two, scores the third.
does he have in store for Australia? In by Messi. Plenty of staunch rearguard action from the Socceroos up to this point. Messi's pass. And he gets it back, Lionel Messi! That is what he does! Lionel Messi reaches out for perfection and grabs it! Ryan has it and bowling it out. And he has to be careful here. He's got himself into a real pickle, and Alvarez has added to the Argentinian advantage. Australia with egg on their face. Ryan with a big blunder. Run by Beige. This is better. And it took a deflection, that has gone in! One goal can truly change everything. He gave it a lash. Craig Goodwin. And it completely befuddled Emiliano Martinez in goal. Not so fast. 2-1. This Lawson 